before we get to the scripture head on, I just want to tell you that, you know, my wife, Katie, she will tell you that I am not exactly Mr. Handyman. Uh, but from time to time, with the help of my dad, uh, I've taken on some pretty sizable renovation projects, uh, particularly at our old house on Stratford Road in Academy Heights here in Catonsville. And our, our basement bathroom uh, was original to the house, which was made in 1950. And the shower walls in that bathroom were made of sheet metal. So it sounded like a thunderstorm whenever you showered. And uh, if that weren't bad enough, uh, they were this kind of queasy green color that I guess was trendy enough at the time to decide that you were also going to paint your bathroom walls and ceiling that color. It made it a little tough to go in that bathroom. It was desperately in need of a renovation. And so my dad and I, we we started on the hard uh, but rewarding work of demolition and reconstruction. It took us a while, but the end product was a new bathroom that was as beautiful as it was functional. Well, my sermon topic today is not the renovation of the bathroom. It is the renovation of the heart. And that phrase, uh, and a lot of what I have to share today, comes from a a writer named Dallas Willard, whose books uh, have challenged me and grown me more than any I've read, as much as any I've read, I think. And so what I'd like to do today is, is quite simple. First, I'd like to persuade you that you are in need of renovation of your heart. Then, I want to uh, show you briefly just what that renovation might look like once it's happened. Uh, Then, secondly, talk about the importance of actually making a decision to have a renovation done. And third, uh, talk about the actual means through which that renovation will take place. And so, again, first I want to convince you in love that you are in need of a renovation of your heart. Now, if, if your heart's pure from sin and, 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 you know, completely clean, then you can just disregard this next section of my sermon. Uh, otherwise, I would just invite you to continue listening. You might have noticed that four times in the scripture reading for today, uh, Jesus says, you have heard it said, but I say to you. And so, sadly, I can't take the time I need to talk about each of those statements in depth. Uh, I will say something briefly, though, about the... Uh, about the divorce and remarriage passage. I'll say just that Jesus' primary agenda is not to condemn divorced and remarried people. It is to encourage people to not get divorced in the first place. So I think we can start there and we'll just leave uh, the rest of the things for Jesus is drawing us deeper. But I want to point out uh, simply that each of these, at each of these points, Jesus is taking some prohibition about some external behavior prescribed in the Old Testament law, and he's turning it inward and, and taking us deeper. So, for example, you've heard it said, don't murder, but I tell you, don't even be angry or insult uh, a brother or sister. Uh, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery, but I tell you, don't even lust. Uh, you've heard it said when a man divorces his wife, he should give her a certificate of divorce. But I say, to paraphrase, uh, the marriage bond can't be broken easily, so don't uh, divorce for cheap reasons. 
Uh, You've heard it said, don't swear falsely, but I say, don't swear at all. Basically, be a person who means what they say and says what they mean. And in every case, Jesus seems to be saying this isn't just about external behaviors. It's, It's about intentions. It's about the heart. But here's where uh, the really tricky part comes in. Because mere human will is never enough to get our hearts to the right place. I can't will myself into not being angry at someone. I can't will myself into not lusting. Now, thank God we can control our external behavior to a degree. uh, But we can't control what comes out of our hearts. And what all of our experience teaches us is that when we aim to will ourselves into acting like Jesus says uh, we should, we fail. And that gritted teeth method of forcing ourselves into right behavior is what Jesus calls the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees earlier in Matthew chapter 5. So the scribes and Pharisees, they were um, very religious uh, sects of Judaism, I guess, uh, who, who were very good at holding to the letter of the law. But Jesus, he scolded them. He said, he said you're like whitewashed tombs. Not analogy we usually use, but you know, he says, you're like whitewashed tombs. You, they, you look beautiful on the outside, but inside you're full of dead bones and all kinds of filth. And in the same way, he says, you, you look righteous to people, but inside you're full of pretense and rebellion. You're hypocrites, in other words. So, uh, you know, he's saying people, people look at the outward appearance, and, and you look impressive indeed, but the Lord looks at the heart, and, and that's where you're lacking. And so Jesus says to his disciples early in Matthew chapter 5, he says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And so I really believe what he is saying is that your hearts must be transformed. Your hearts must be transformed. Um, Later in the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7, Jesus will say, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor a bad tree good fruit. And he builds on that image in Luke's gospel. He says, the good person, out of the good treasure of the heart, produces good. The evil person, out of the evil treasure produces evil, for it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. He's getting to the origin. He says, you know, there's no point in expecting a a, a bad tree to bear bad, to bear good fruit, or you need a different tree. In the same way, there's no uh, point expecting a heart that's um, bent to sin, bent to sinning, in the words of that first hymn we uh, we sang. Uh, There's no point expecting a heart that's bent to sinning to love and serve God. We actually need a new heart, a clean, renovated heart. And so we, what we have here is this, this problem of the sinful human heart that has no human solution. It's impossible to get good stuff to come out of a heart that was formed by sin rather than formed by God. And that was exactly what Jesus says the scribes and the Pharisees were, were doing. In Matthew chapter 15, he says, Isaiah prophesied rightly about you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Jesus is looking for a people whose hearts are near to him. 
And Jesus is saying, you know, you can have all the external obedience in the world, but your heart can still be in rebellion against God. So we need a renovation of the heart. Are you convinced? Are we? <laughs> no nods whatsoever. That's all right. It's a tough word. We'll continue on. What will this transformation look like once it's happened? Well, the transformation should result in what John Wesley called scriptural Christianity. Uh, John Wesley, one of the founders of the Methodist movement, I should say. Uh, Jesus, he came announcing that, that he came announcing the nature and availability of the kingdom of God. He said the kingdom of God is, is the domain where, where God's will is done. And so we can expect that as we enter into the kingdom, we will be able to do God's will. Not just in, you know, in the sweet and by and by when we die, but here and now. Our heart will be love for God and for others. And, and so the, the transformed heart, it, it looks like the person described in the Sermon on the Mount. Someone who's pure in action and in thought, in intention. People exhibit what Paul calls the fruit of the Spirit. You see the plaques, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness. I hope it says faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You never noticed this before. (laughs) Obedience uh, to Jesus' commands then comes out of who we are. uh, Not by gritting our teeth and and trying harder. And so the renovation that we seek is, is actually the kingdom of God. That Paul says is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says the kingdom of God is the reason for which he was sent. So this, is, this is important to Jesus. He uses strong words, as you can tell. And, you know, this transformed heart, it's the answer to the prayer that we've, we've been praying at the beginning of so many of these services. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you. That's the life in the kingdom of God. That's the transformation that we seek. Okay, so once we know what we're talking about, we have to understand the importance of actually making a decision to, to get the renovation work done. <laughs> uh, we, we can't make ourselves live uh, out the kingdom life, but we can decide that we want to. We can trust Jesus, and, and trusting in him means intending to obey his teachings. We, we, don't stop believing, we, we, we don't stop at believing things about Jesus, um, James says even the demons believe, <laughs> but we, we actually need to decide that we're going to do what he says. So in the words of Dallas Willard, you can no more trust Jesus and not intend to obey him than you could trust your doctor and your, and your auto mechanic and not intend to, follow, to follow their advice. Moreover, people who do not intend to be inwardly transformed so that obedience to Christ comes naturally will not be. However, if we do, in fact, intend to every area of our lives to be under the lordship of Christ, we can be confident that it will happen. And, you know, because Jesus says at the beginning of Matthew chapter 5, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And you might be thinking, I'm not sure I'm ready for all this stuff. But, you know, this whole, you know, heart of love thing actually sounds kind of good. Uh, well, if you can't, like, want it yet, can you at least, like, want to want it? <laughs> That's a good starting place. So finally, uh, when we understand what the renovation will bring and we make a decision to pursue it, then we can actually go about using the means that God has provided us to pursue it. 
Uh, we can't renovate our own hearts. Um, and so in some sense, transformation is out of our control uh, because I can't control God's action in my heart. <laughs> but I can control what I do to some extent. I can decide to pursue this. And when I do that, my actions will become full of purpose and expectation, and it changes the character of what we do. And so, for example, I can, I can study and meditate on the teachings of Jesus. Because if I really intend to follow him, I've got to know what he says. And yeah, I learn, I learn uh, and I study, and that's important. But I, I don't go, I, I need to go farther than that. I need to let the scripture search me. I, I need to let change my plans. I need to prioritize obedience to the way of Jesus in my life. I, I can pray. Um, sure, I have that ongoing conversation with God as we go, out, go throughout my day. But I, I can set apart time in my day where I can expect to be empowered and, and formed by God until I'm actually transformed. I can, I can make use of the opportunities to receive prayer. That's so why we, we, um, we have prayer ministry at, at, at the end of every service. Um, and, and, you know, it's just as we're pursuing transformation, it's important to just say, I, I don't care so much about what other people think of me. I'm going to say no to that voice on my left shoulder that says, oh, they're going to think there's something really wrong with you. And the vi- uh, voice on the right shoulder that says, oh, who are you, some hyper-spiritual person? Like, you just silence the voices and just get prayed for. That's where I've seen God do so much amazing things, both physically and spiritually. So, you know, these things that uh, the church calls spiritual disciplines, they're disciplines because we just have to make the habit of doing them. But we can decide, I want to do this, and then do it. I can't change my heart, but I can change the way I spend the first 30 minutes of my day. Spiritual transformation is possible when we decide that we are going to make Jesus Lord over our lives. You know, in, in the world of spirituality, garbage in, garbage out. And so Jesus needs to be the Lord of my screen time. He needs to be the Lord of my Netflix queue. <laughs> Whatever else I consume. The children saying, Lord, I want to be a Christian in my heart. And we need to do the same because the person who prays that prayer persistently will find the transformation that we seek.